Hey C3 Nairobi, good morning. I hope this finds you well. I hope you're strong in faith in these turbulent times and your eyes are fixed on Jesus. As has already been introduced, it is such a privilege to be sharing the Word of God with you this morning. I always love time spent with my family at C3 Nairobi. And, uh, you know, last week, Pastor Kevin started to introduce this one-page document of the New Reformation, summarizing it, giving you clear vision for it. The heart behind that was, uh, like in Habakkuk 2, that we'd be able to make the vision plain so that people may run with it. And I pray that that document will help with that. It's really exciting to get real clarity that our purpose is to make mature disciples who self-govern their spirituality, who embrace holistic transformation, who participate in healthy community and who live missionally in the world in which they live. And so that's really exciting. And then we are uh, using innovative methods to achieve that. We are looking at how we do temple, table, technology, and sneak preview. There's one more to come, training. We'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. But these are the ways that we are really looking at how we do church so that we see mature disciples made and raised in our church and in the city in which we live. And so this is really exciting stuff. That's uh, an incredible privilege to be alive in these times where despite what's going on around the world, that there is a plan and purpose from heaven being unfolded that is far more dramatic and beautiful than anything that I've been alive to see. And so I find it a great joy to be in this contrast of life where, yes, there is this darkness happening in the world, but God is bringing his kingdom to the earth as he is in the business of doing, and we are privileged to be part of that. And so today, I want to unpack a really, really important concept for us. And I know uh, Jamie mentioned this thought that we are all priests, or we're a royal priesthood in her prophetic message to you a few weeks ago. Uh, and so I want to talk today and unpack a little bit from a biblical perspective and uh, something that will help us put uh, some tangible um, weight behind this whole thought to help us understand this concept of the priesthood of all believers. And this is a phrase that you won't find directly used in the Bible, but you'll find it very strongly throughout the New Testament in, uh, in, in the concept itself. Uh, it's something that was a key part of the Protestant Reformation, as we will uh, look at throughout our time together today. And it is very dear, I believe, to God's heartbeat for this new reformation and what God is doing in our midst in the time in which we live. And so we're going to have a, a bit of a biblical exploration of this concept because this is a concept that I don't want to leave in the theology textbooks or the church history textbooks. I want to see this concept understood by all our church members, both in Newcastle and Nairobi. And so I'm praying today. And why don't we pray today together? that as we launch into this, that God would give us insight about this concept and what that means for us in the time in which we live. So would you pray with me? Would you close your eyes where you are? And let's believe for God to reveal uh, to us today what he wants us to know and see. Heavenly Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for the privilege it is to be alive in this time. Uh, we're grateful, Lord, that we are um, born again, that we're your children, that we have been brought from the kingdom of darkness into, into the kingdom of light. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us understand our role as a priesthood of believers, that 
You would understand our role as individual priests before you. And that our understanding of this Lord would change the way that we see you, the way we see ourselves, the way we see the community in which we are living. And also, Lord, it would change the way that we contribute to your plans and purposes on the earth. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears, open our eyes, open our minds and hearts to know this truth of yours. We pray. Amen. Amen. And so, as I think Jamie might have read a couple of weeks ago, the key scripture for this is 1 Peter 2 verse 9, where Peter writes, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What a beautiful passage that we are a royal priesthood. And so there's a phrase that that represents this term of the priesthood of all believers that every Christian on the earth, you, me, the person next to you, the person uh, in the Zoom room that you're with, wherever you're watching this, that all of us who are born again and have been brought into the kingdom of God are royal priesthood, are a royal priesthood, are priests in the sight of God. And so why is that? significant, you might ask. And I think I'm glad that you asked that question because I think it's really important that we understand what the Old Testament priesthood was and what changed in this regard when Jesus came. And so we see this concept of the priesthood established in the Old Testament through Moses appointing Aaron and his uh, descendants to function as the priesthood of God for the people of Israel. And so what is a priest? Uh, I know, you know, some of us have an understanding or experience with uh, people in our time who are called priests. But when we go back to uh, the Old Testament, it's important that we know what was being spoken about when we, when we hear of the, the, the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, and what they, their function was. And so a priest, in a really simple definition, is someone who stands between or mediates between God and other people. Um, the person that I think really just describes this, that who, who uh, embodies this and who is a great picture of what a priest is, is Moses. And although we don't often think of Moses primarily as a priest, uh, Psalm 99 verse, uh, verse 6 says that Aaron and Moses were priests. And we know that Aaron was because Moses ordained him in that role as priest. But when we look at how Moses functioned with the people of God before that, we see a really clear picture of what it is to be a priest, someone who mediates between God and people. And I think the passage that so beautifully uh, describes this is Exodus 20, verse 18 to 19. And it says this, When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling with fear. And they said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak directly to us or we will die. Wow, what a fascinating passage we have here. And we see such a clear picture of 
all parties involved coming to this conclusion that Moses was going to be the one who would go up the mountain and speak with God directly. Everyone else would stand at a distance and there we see a wonderful picture of Moses being this go-between between his people and the people of God and God himself. And we see uh, Moses up the mountain. We see him receiving the law and messages from God to bring to the people rather than God speaking it to the people directly. Uh, we see after the, the golden calf instant around this time where uh, Israel it turned into a, just a weird place and built the golden calf to worship. We see God pretty angry at that and wanting to destroy the people. But we see Moses interceding on behalf of the people and saying, God, don't have mercy. And his prayers of intersection, uh, intercession worked, you know, quite a, very effectively. God heard his prayers and, and reduced the judgment on God's people for that. And so we see uh, Moses in an in-between space that the people of God stood at a distance and did not directly come before God, but they did so through an intermediary, Moses, who stood between God and the people. And so we have this real, uh, really clear picture of a priest as someone who stands between people and God. And so when Moses appointed Aaron uh, and his family to be the priest's of God to in amongst the people, we see that throughout the remainder of the Old Testament. And we see two um, types of priests particularly. We see the priesthood, firstly, who officiated religious duties for the people of God. And here's just a quote for you from Oxford Biblical Studies uh, website that says this, throughout the Hebrew Bible, the term priest is commonly used to refer to an official who was set apart from the rest of the community in order to carry out certain duties associated with worship and sacrifice. As ministers of the Lord, priests functioned as mediators of God's presence and were responsible for the day-to-day -day operation of cultic sites, whether the tabernacle, local shrines, or the temple in Jerusalem. And so we have this whole group of people, the Levites, whose job, and this was carried on in a hereditary fashion throughout the, the generations, that this group of people and their generations after them were the ones that God appointed through Moses to be the priests. They were set apart from the rest of the community as a special group of people who would do the religious duties, who would bring the messages of God, who would teach the people, who would take up the offerings, who would make the sacrifices, etc., etc. But within that community, there was a particularly special person called the high priest. And that high priest had some special duties. Most famously, they were the one who once a year on the day of atonement went into the Holy of Holies, which is representative of the very holiest place to experience the presence of God on earth. And only he could do that. It was too holy for anyone else to do so it was just a special ordained high priest who would go on the day of atonement, make sacrifices on behalf of the people. But because he was only human and the blood of bulls and goats was imperfect, he would have to do that every year. But we have there quite a good picture and understanding of the priesthood, the high priest and the wider body of priests 
who would be the people who would approach God and do the work of God on behalf of the people of God. And so I hope that gives you a picture of what the priesthood was like in the Old Testament. But what we've got to understand is, and and what that means for us, comes down to this thought that when Jesus came to earth, died on a cross and rose again for us, everything changed about what God would say about a priesthood. Everything changed. And so not only did Jesus come and usher in a new covenant, but with it, he ushered in a whole new understanding of what priesthood meant and how priesthood functioned within the church. Most importantly, we see that no longer is there a high priest who makes the sacrifices on behalf of God's people. We see Jesus as both the sacrifice and the high priest who offers it. So God himself, Jesus incarnate in the flesh came to be the sacrifice, not every year, but once and for all offering one perfect sacrifice for all time and being the high priest who went directly into the presence of God, not just in a building, but into heaven itself through the resurrection. What a powerful, powerful truth. And so that's why we have in Hebrews, which is a book of the Bible that talks a lot about Jesus as the high priest. It says in chapter 4, verses 14 to 15, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. And so we have the sinless Lamb of God who provides himself as the sacrifice, but then rises from the dead and enters into the very presence of God on our behalf. So that now all of us, every Christian can, we're not the high priest, Jesus is our high priest, but we become his priesthood. Every believer that doesn't require a Uh, some human priest to go to God through, but we go to the Father directly through Jesus. And what a privilege. We'll unpack more of that in a second. But that's where we have that great passage that we just read in in 1 Peter 2.9, where it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. And so no longer is it the Levites that are the priesthood and a high priest that has to do the sacrifice Every believer is now a priest of God who through Jesus, the high priest, can come into the very presence of God, come before God and minister on behalf of God. And that's why it says that we may proclaim just as the Levites would proclaim the word of God to Israel in the Old Testament. Christians are the people, the priests who proclaim Uh, What does it say here? The mighty acts of him who caught us out of darkness and into light. We are a voice piece to the earth. We are a voice piece to the world in which we live. Standing between the world and God and being this great voice piece of God to say, Hey, God loves you. God is, is, Jesus is God and he's paid the price. And so we have this beautiful truth that Jesus, our high priest, is the one that we all go through as priests to God directly. And this is a really, really, really significant truth for us. And it's important that we understand, okay, if we are priests now, 
and we don't have a special group of people within the church that can only do the special things and come before God on our behalf, but all of us can do that. What are the key what what are our key roles today? What is the key role of a priest on the earth and in the church? And I believe that we can see not that this passage is directly related to priesthood, but I think uh, this passage in the message translation talks about the two key roles that I believe and I want to I want to see every one of our church members understand the responsibility they have to do these two particular roles. And I'm sure, you know, this is something that we could unpack over many weeks and look at what this means. And I'm, I know Pastor Kevin and the team are going to help you do that. But I want to give a big picture on two key concepts, two key roles that God has called us to do and to walk in as his priests on the earth. And so let's read from Matthew uh, chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. And it says this, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Now, here's what I want to talk about. Walk with me and work with me. Two of the things that God has invited us as his royal priesthood to do, to walk with me and work with me, Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. And so, man, what a privilege it is that as God's priests, we have been invited to walk with God and to work with God. And whenever we forfeit one of these responsibilities, we forfeit the call that God has placed on our life to be a royal priesthood. So let's talk about the first one, walk with God. Uh, Just after the the passage that we read before in, in Hebrews 4 verses 14 to 15, when it talks about Jesus the high priest, it goes on in verse 16 to say this, so let us come boldly, to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. What a beautiful encouragement for us. It goes on in Hebrews to, as you probably know by now, some of you, one of my favorite scriptures in chapter 10, verses 19 to 22, it says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly, enter heaven's most holy place not the not the holy the most holy place that the uh, high priest used to go into in a building but into the very presence of god is the most holy place that we have now and why can we enter that place because of the blood of jesus oh my goodness by his death jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. 
people, this is a call to nothing short of intimacy. That as the priests of God, with a perfect sacrifice having been made, having been made once and for all, and the great high priest that we go through into the very presence of God, we have been invited by God to come boldly into a place of intimacy. And I firmly believe this is what the year of the return is all about. Returning to the heart of God first and foremost as a matter of priority that God is calling his church not to stand at a distance like the people of Israel did while Moses went up. But we don't have to wait at a distance anymore because we are all priests and we can boldly come before God. He is not angry with us. The punishment for our sin has been paid through our high priest and sacrifice, Jesus. And all that remains is for us to approach his, his throne of grace where we find help in time of need. And that's every day for me. I, I'm, I'm in need of, of God and, and help and mercy and grace every day. And so when we decide that we are going to stand at a distance, that we are not going to let God speak to us directly, that we are not going to pray, that we are not going to worship, that we are not going to uh, read our Bibles and get to know this God who has called us out more, we are ultimately forfeiting the calling that we have to be a priest and to come intimately before God who loves us, who, who, who desires us, who is passionate about us, and who is not angry, who is not ready to just punish us at any whim. He is primarily and, and, and utmostly trying to call us into an intimate relationship with him. So that's the first thing, that we need to walk with God. That is the invitation that we have as his people and as his priests to walk with him, to enter into his presence. But secondly, not only that, not only are we, do we have intimacy with God, we are called to work with God that we walk with him and we work with him. And just as the priesthood in the Old Testament had a job to do, had a purpose to fulfill, so too does each and every member of the royal priesthood. Who's that again? Just a reminder. It's you. It's me. It's the person next to you. It's the person in the Zoom room. It's every Christian on the face of the planet that has a mandate and a calling, gifts that have been given to us, a, a, a commissioning that God has given us to contribute and to get involved in the life of the church and in the world in which we live, to declare the glory of God to our brothers and sisters and those who are far from God. And so we see this so importantly in Ephesians 4 verses 11 to 12 that says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostle, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility, and we'll talk about this more about the church leader's responsibility, is to equip God's people, who are all priests, to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So, my, my gosh, we have a responsibility as God's people, all of us, every single person who is part of the priesthood, all of us have a responsibility not only to know God, but to be activated to participate in the plans and purposes of God in the church and on the earth. So just like when we refuse to be intimate with God, when we refuse to be activated from, for God and to work with him, we say to him, God, I don't want to take up that priestly duty. 
But that is something that we have been invited into and been given responsibility for is to get moving and activated in the plans and purposes of God on the earth. And so that is what God has meant for us in a very broad stroke uh, summary and a big picture look at a summary of what it means for us to be the priesthood of all believers. That we are God's people who follow the high priest Jesus to walk with God and to work with God on the earth. What a privilege that is. Now the problem is that it's human nature for us, it seems to be anyway when we look throughout history, that it's human nature to revert to Old Testament patterns that seem to have amongst God's people a few select people that can go directly before God, that have special access to God, and that have special privileges to do His work. But that is just not the case. But we see all throughout history the temptation, and even in the time in which we live, the temptation for us to go back to those old man of God models. And the Protestant Reformation was uh, a great picture of a time in history where God was trying to get his people activated in the priesthood of all believers. And so in the times uh, that were existing in the church before Martin Luther and his contemporaries came to reform the church, there was very much a man of God model church in place. Uh, The priests were the ones who were intimate with God. Well, at least had access to God. They alone had access to the scriptures They were the ones that people had to come through to confess their sins before God. They were the ones who took up indulgences to uh, try and avoid purgatory and and things like that. Um, Not only that, but they they were the ones who walked with God and were the intermediaries for people to come to God through. Not only that, they were the ones who did the work of God. As I said, they were the ones who read the scriptures. They were the ones who took up the offerings. They were the ones... Heaven forbid for the people at the time, they were the ones who did the worship and the singing. Oh, if I did the worship and the singing for you today, you'd all leave the church tomorrow. Um, But we had this heavy man of God centric model that Martin Luther came along and said, actually, we don't, we're all priests. We don't need priests to go and confess our sins to, to come before the father. We don't need to pay money to, to try and get forgiveness of sins. We have had that through the sacrifice and the high priesthood of Jesus Christ. Hey, and, and in fact, we need the Bible in the hands of every believer, not just the, 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 the church leaders. And so it was a big push for the priesthood of all believers to try and see the Bible in the hands of everyday people, to see people confessing their sins to Jesus uh, directly, not through any humans on earth. Um, And, you know, that to a certain degree got traction and saw some changes in the church. But I ask you this question. Have we really graduated from that Old Testament man of God model? Or how today do we reflect a giving up of our priesthood and again putting it in the hand of church leaders? Well, we can do that when we rely on weekend services for our spirituality, when we need the pastor to preach to us in order for us to be fed the word of God, maybe we're reverting to a model uh, that that the church has fought hard previously to escape from. 
when we can't read our Bibles for ourselves, but we need the Word of God taught to us, um, we're not really walking in what God has asked us to necessarily. Uh, when we rely on musicians on Sunday to usher in the presence of God and the atmosphere, you don't have that Monday to Saturday and you don't need it. Yes, it's beautiful to come. Now, none of these things I'm criticizing in and of themselves. It is beautiful to worship God together on a Sunday. But what happens when Frank's not there Monday morning? We need to learn how to worship and how to sing and how to enter the presence of God on Monday. And so I saw this recently in a message that Henry Seeley from The Belonging Co. did in America, in Nashville, I think. And he did an altar call and people came down the front and then he asked the band to stop playing. And he said, you know what? I know this is a bit awkward because we're used to having the keyboard and the and the music behind these moments to make us feel like it's a nice atmosphere, but you're not going to have that during the week. And he went on to lead a moment without that background. And so there's this thing rising in the church where if we are relying on church leaders on Sunday to minister to us, to sing to us, to preach to us, then perhaps we are reverting to a, a model where we are relying on those church leaders to know God. Or when we come uh, and, and in our church communities, we are spectating, we aren't serving, we aren't living missionally in our workplaces and in our families, where we're not living with integrity and generosity and modeling Christ to the people in which we live. When we're saying, someone else will do that, someone else will serve on team, the church leaders will sort out the ministry. That is not what God's called us to do. Sunday, and we're going to unpack what Sunday is about over you know the coming weeks. That Sunday is a time for worship and equipping, but it's not a place that we can become dependent on. So that's the whole point. So you say, well, what's the point of uh, of church leaders? Does that mean that we don't need leaders and and they're useless and uh, we're just all equal and can and and should just scrap all that? Well, no. What we saw in the Ephesians four model is that. The church leaders, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors, they are called to equip God's people. So my job, Kevin's job, others as church leaders, as 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 fivefold ministers, if you like, called to minister in the church, it's not that we aren't called to lead and to help people. It's, it's that we are called to divert you to God. That we are called to equip you to walk intimately with God for yourself, not to come through us. It is that we are called to equip you to work for God and to minister your gifts in the community and to live missionally on the earth, not to come and rely on our giftedness. So our job is not to be the intermediary priest where you come to us and we go to God. Our job is to continually push you towards God himself. Because you are a priest called to walk with God and work with God. And so all of these ways that we're trying to look at how we can do church differently, the temple, the Sunday, the table during the week, training that we'll talk more about, technology. We are looking, the heartbeat behind doing these things differently is that we would not be the ones who do everything and cause you to be dependent on the ministry that we provide in these contexts, but that these contexts would be used to equip you to live intimately with God, to know how to read your Bible, to know how to hear the voice of God, to know how to use the gifts of God on your life, 
to know how to work for God and to live for Him and to make a difference for Him in the church and in the world in which you live. That is what we are trying to do. And so I pray that this has helped open your eyes to this concept a little bit more clearly so that you would know that we are not trying to take your role as priest. We are church leaders called to equip you so that you can be the priest that God has called you to be in your home, in your workplace, in the church, that you can walk with him and work with him. And that as we do that, Ephesians 4.16 says, as each part does its work, we will be healthy and growing and full of love. That is the vision that we have for this church, to be healthy, growing and full of love as every person takes up the mantle of priesthood on their life, to walk with God, to walk, work with God. My gosh, if we can do that, people, I think we're going to be living and reflecting the image of God that he has designed for the church to be in this world. And so let me pray for you to close here. I'm praying. This, this, this is exciting, right? Because it shows the value and the God-given call on, on the life of every Christian. But this takes a bit of courage for you. This takes uh, a yes on the inside that you will commit to not relying on church leaders, that you will commit to not spectating and watching someone else do the work of God on the earth, but you'll say like Isaiah, here I am, send me. This takes a stewardship of the priesthood that God has given you for you to step into it, for you to say, yes, God, I will be the priest that you've called me to be. For you to say that you want to know him, a hunger for God, a desire to be consecrated and to know him intimately for yourself. And yes, avail yourself for his plans and purposes on the earth. So that is the theological heartbeat behind this new reformation that we would see each and every person step in to become the mighty priest that God has called us to be. So if that's you and you're ready to uh, say that, like Jamie the other week, that you're ready to put your feet in the water first because you are the royal priesthood, uh, I want to pray for you. And maybe some of you have already done that with Jamie. Maybe others of you weren't ready a few weeks ago, but you are now. I want to pray for us. And so why don't you... Uh, uh, if you want to stand to your feet where you are, uh, you can close your eyes, you can lift your hands before God and offer yourself in agreement with this prayer. And in fact, I'm not going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for me as you pray for you uh, because you don't need my prayer. You can go to God and say, God, here I am, send me. And so why don't in your own voice right now, whether you're on Zoom or whether you're in the room, why don't you lift your voice before God and say, God, I want to know you intimately. Come on, lift your voices even right now. God, I want to know you intimately. God, I want to be available to fulfill the call of God that you've placed on my life as a priest. Lord, I want to be a, a witness for you in, in this dark world. Uh, and I want to be a testimony to the light of the kingdom of heaven. God, we pray here today that you would use us. Lord, that you would help us say yes to take up the mantle you've placed on our lives as the priesthood of all believers. Lord, we pray. Have your way in this season as we walk into a new reformation. God, I pray that you would help us take up the mantle, that we would know you intimately, that we would work for you actively, and that you would see us as a church that, that is uh, all playing their part so that the body can be healthy, growing, and full of love, and we can reach the cities in which we're in. God, we pray this in Jesus' name, in the name of the great high priest. Amen. Amen. Church, I love you so dearly. I cannot wait for the day that we're in Nairobi again. 
I can't even think about the, the restrictions at the moment. It'll make me too sad. But for now, let's keep moving forward. Let's keep our eyes fixed on heaven. Let's keep loving God, worshiping God, seeking him for what he's called us to do on the earth. Stay full of faith, focused on the verdict of heaven. Tune out the fear of the world. Love your family. Love God. Love the world that you're in. Let's make a difference, people. God bless. I love you. Bye.